Dirty is a word with an obvious meaning when talking about something like the dishes or the kid who's been playing outside in the mud. Or how about when you leave your car parked outside for a while and the windshields get so dirty that some joker comes along using their finger to write, wash me, on it. But dirty also has some interesting pop culture uses. Take the movie Dirty Dancing or the cop movie Dirty Harry. These were sort of nuanced uses of the adjective dirty. In the case of the famous movie The Dirty Dozen, about the invasion of Normandy in World War II, dirty is actually used to describe heroes. Unfortunately, the phrase dirty dozen has been co-opted for what amounts to a smear campaign against the mainstream supply of fruits and vegetables. An NGO called the Environmental Working Group, or EWG, publishes an annual list ranking which vegetables and fruits they say are the most dirty in terms of pesticide residues, and saying that those are the categories of produce that are most important to buy organic. Should consumers pay attention to this list? Are parts of our food supply really dirty? That's a question we'll address on today's episode of Pop Agriculture. For background, I need to describe the annual U.S. Department of Agriculture activity called the Pesticide Data Program, or PDP. Each year, the USDA staffers go out and gather around 10,000 samples of food, mostly fruits and vegetables, from the regular commercial food system channels throughout the U.S. Usually about 20 crops are sampled, and that list varies from year to year to cover all of the major frozen, fresh, and canned options available to us as shoppers. They take these samples back to various labs around the country and analyze them for the presence of pesticide residues. The USDA scientists use extremely sensitive testing methods that can detect even the tiniest residues. Things in the range of parts per million, parts per billion, or even parts per trillion. I think such numbers are a little hard for us to relate to, but just think incredibly small. So the USDA has been doing this testing each year since 1990, and each year they transparently publish the results. They produce a high-level summary of what was found, and that document also includes assessments from relevant experts from the FDA and the EPA. For many years, the strong and consistent conclusion from these public sector experts has been that essentially all the residues that are found on the food supply are at levels below or far below any real concern from a health point of view. They recommend that consumers confidently enjoy their safe food supply and encourage them to include lots of fruits and vegetables as part of a healthy diet. Those experts base this conclusion on something called a tolerance. It's a conservative threshold for how much of each specific chemical there can be on each specific crop and still have that food be considered safe, and safe by a substantial margin. These tolerances are set by the EPA based on an extensive risk analysis, including many categories of data and including special consideration for vulnerable populations such as children. Bottom line, if the residue is below the tolerance, 
the food on which it was detected is definitely not dirty. For instance, for the most recent published set of data from 2016, 99.9% of the residues that were detected were at levels below tolerance, with many of them being 100 or 1,000 or even 10,000 times lower than the tolerance. The USDA also publishes a 100-plus page detailed summary of the results, so you can see what was found crop by crop, source by source, including imports, or chemical by chemical. All of these reports and the reports from previous years are easily downloadable from the USDA PDP website. This is a great example of governmental transparency. But the USDA goes even further in terms of transparency. Anyone who wants to can download the raw data. There's the sample table that's 10,365 rows long this last time, or the chemical test results, which is a 2.2 million row CSV table. Now, I'm not sure how many people actually uh, try to take advantage of this resource, but I'm just crazy enough to do it. And I did it again for this year's report, which was about the samples from 2016. I get into the detailed data for two reasons. For one, I like to see just how low most of the residues are, sort of a how low can you go question. I also like to compare the results for the conventional and organic samples. Now about 5% of the samples the USDA happens to pick up are organic. There were 501 in, in 2016. My interest in the comparison will become obvious in a minute. So there's at least one other group that also accesses that 2.2 million row data table, and that's the EWG, the group I brought up at the beginning of the podcast. Now, EWG may be a nonprofit, but it receives major funding from nine large for-profit marketers of organic products. I won't list them here, but you can see who they are by going to the About tab on the EWG website. Interestingly, only one of the major supporting companies is even in the produce business. Several are in the organic dairy business. EWG takes that PDP data and essentially ignores the details about which chemical was detected, at what level, and how that compares to that carefully determined tolerance that EPA has set for each of those chemical crop combinations. They more or less treat any detection the same even if these detections may differ by much as a million-fold in terms of significance from a toxicology point of view. Then they use this science-free assessment to come up with what they call their dirty dozen list, which claims to guide shoppers about which fruits and vegetables are most important to buy organic to avoid pesticide residues. And they've been publishing this list under the dirty dozen name since at least 2004, in spite of the fact that their method has been repeatedly debunked by qualified academic scientists. They've been publishing this list in some form now for 23 years. Well, remember how I looked at the data to compare the organic and conventional results? Guess what I found? There were residues of 63 different synthetic pesticides detected among the organic samples. In theory, those are not supposed to be there because such products are not allowed under the organic rules. Now, the overall frequency of detections per sample for organic was lower than on the conventional samples, but what was detected 
was at concentrations that are very similar to what was found in conventional. So if EWG wants to call conventional produce dirty, then organic is also dirty by their definition. And this is true even though the PDP program doesn't even test for some of the most commonly used organic-approved pesticides, like copper compounds or sulfur compounds, because that would require very different specialized testing methods. If the organic samples were tested for those products, I think the incidence of residue detection would undoubtedly increase. So, to drill down a bit, there's a section in the organic rules that says if synthetic pesticides are present at 5% or less of the EPA tolerance, it isn't considered a reason to reject the product for sale as organic. Well, interestingly, 80% of the residues on conventional would meet that standard for organic. And for the organic samples, 81% of the synthetic residues meet that standard. Not so different, eh? Of course, that means that 19% of the detected residues on organic technically violate the organic standard, as do the comparable 20% for conventional. But all these residues we're talking about here are still below the tolerance, the EPA standard that says they do not represent a health concern. Lots of the detections are not just below the tolerance. They're far below it. For conventional, 32% are 20 to 100 times lower. For organic, 23% fall in that category. For conventional, 36% of the residues are 100 to 1,000 times lower than tolerance. For organic, 38% fall in that category. Residues 1,000 to 10,000 times lower make up 10% of conventional detections and 17% of those in the organic samples. And residues more than 10,000 times lower than the tolerance make up 1% of conventional and 4% of organic. So by a science-driven definition, neither the conventional nor organic samples are actually dirty. In fact, they range from clean to extremely clean. So there's really no compelling reason a consumer should be paying more for organic based on pesticide residue concerns. Now, EWG clearly looked at the data at that detailed level where it could have made this comparison. So for them to try to use the data to scare customers is, to me, what really qualifies as dirty. A dirty, fear-based marketing strategy on behalf of their big organic supporters. It's not fair to farmers. And it's really manipulative of consumers. The Dirty Dozen list is also an abuse of a transparent governmental database that actually documents the happy fact that consumers can be confident in the cleanliness of our food supply. The Dirty Dozen movie was about heroism. So it's sad to see that name co-opted for what I would consider a less than noble effort like that that the EWG is doing. So bottom line, just freely enjoy the great produce available in the American food supply. Perhaps that conclusion is well expressed by Weird Al Yankovic's parody song of the Michael Jackson song, Just Eat It. You can follow me on Twitter at GrapeDoc, at 
G-R-A-P-E-D-O-C, and visit my blog at www.popagriculture.com.